Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 156 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thank you so much for joining me, guys. I'm excited to be here. I had a gap of recording podcasts for you because we were giving you guys the option of listening to the replays of the Kickstart Challenge live sessions, which if you miss those, make sure you go back and listen to them. There's so much good information in those sessions. Go back and listen to them. Don't miss out on that. It's been weird to not be talking to you guys almost every week like I normally do. And I've missed you. I've missed sitting down and talking and chatting about everything about weight and eating and everything that impacts that. Now, if you listened to last week, you'll know that I had a bit of a struggle, that my kind of summer, early September time was a little bit tough. I got quite burnt out. I struggled with my mood. There were definitely days where I chose to just eat to see if I could feel better because nothing else was working. And the result of that was I gained some weight. I gained about 10 pounds. And so I thought that this episode would be a really good one to talk about getting back on track. And what I'm going to do in this episode is talk to you about how, if you're struggling, how you can get back on track, but also give you my tips and approaches and kind of a backstage view of what I'm doing to get back on track. So if you have ever been sitting there thinking, how the heck do I go back to where I was? Or if you've been overwhelmed and you don't even know where to start, then this podcast episode is for you. Now you'll notice I'm using wording of back on track. And I have to tell you, I am very conscientious of how I phrase this. We're going to talk more about that in this episode, but how we think about the process matters and it'll change how it feels to get back on track, depending on what you're thinking about it. I use the term back on track because to me, it feels reasonably neutral. It doesn't feel as loaded as back on a diet or back on the wagon or all the other terms that we often use for this. Back on track just means getting back where I was and where I actually want to be. And in my mind, the track is my normal. The more I do this, the more I get back on track is what's really worn in and it's the default. And there's times in my life where I shift off of that for whatever reason. And all I need to do is just get back to it. And I offer you that because I know when we're thinking about getting back on track, when we feel like we're off track, when maybe you're eating food you don't normally eat or old habits have come back or weight gain has come back, it can feel like it's such a big deal. And we're going to talk about that. But the more you can shift and watch how you're thinking about it to make it feel more neutral, to see if there's ways of thinking about it that bring it down a few notches and make it feel like not as big of a deal then it's going to help you in this process, I promise you. I have exciting news too for you guys. So if this episode resonates to you, and if you're like, oh, I need help with this, I am offering a workshop on getting back on track. So this workshop is a two-session workshop where you will have the opportunity to 
learn more in depth about all of these tools that I'm going to talk about, plus more tools. We're going to dig really deep into getting back on track. That happens in the first session. And then in the second session, what we're going to be doing is more of a workshop style where we'll be working together so that you come up with more of your personalized plan of how you're going to get back on track. I'm really excited about doing this. It's a new format. It gives you an easy way to try out working more closely with me and get access to extra help when maybe you're not quite ready to join the full coaching program, but you can access support like this. I think that these workshops are going to be really helpful for a lot of you. So head on over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash workshop and you can get all the information about it. The sessions are going to be in November. That's November 2021, just so you know, depending when you're listening to this. So make sure you head over there before so you can get more information and register to join us for the Back on Track workshop. All right, let's talk about getting back on track. So like I said, through the summer, I wasn't being super tight with my eating towards the end of the summer as I started to get burnt out and it wasn't really an issue. But then come September, when I really hit a very major wall in burnout and with some depression thrown in there too, eating became more of an issue. And like I talked about in the last episode, I just didn't care. Honestly, there's a lot of days where just didn't care. I was just getting through the days, hoping that at some point this mood and burnout was going to lift and it was really hard to care about what I was eating. And if that's you, please know I hear you and I see you. Know that if you're there, if you're at that spot where you just don't care, getting all uptight about your food, what you should or shouldn't eat, trying to lose weight, which we do a lot when our mood is low because we feel like losing weight is going to help us feel better from a mood perspective, that it's going to make us happier, but it doesn't usually. So if you're there, if your mood is lower, you're just totally burnt out, The best way to help your eating and weight is to address the mood and address the burnout. Give yourself a break on getting really focused on what you're eating or exactly what the scale is doing. Focus on what you need in that moment to feel better. It's not really the time to add on extra goals when you're struggling to just get through your normal activities. So take that to heart, I hope, because in that moment when you're feeling down, Our brains are often so critical, so they pick on us about our eating and weight, and that makes our mood worse. And so if you decide you should be losing weight at the same time you're dealing with a burnout, depression, or major anxiety, or any other mental health issue, it just gives your brain kind of license to pick you apart for not succeeding, because at that point, your brain is often biased to look at the negative, and that ends up making your mood worse, which then worsens your eating, (laughs) because you just don't care. It's this big cycle, right? So if you are listening to this episode and you're like, yeah, I get it. I just don't care. Then give yourself a break on the eating stuff. Focus on what would help you feel better in this moment. Take it day by day, moment by moment. What is going to help you feel better? And as I mentioned in last week's episode, if you are really struggling, where your mood is really low, where you worry that you might be at risk to yourself, please get help. Please reach out phone one of the physician crisis lines, talk to your own doctor, talk to a colleague, talk to somebody and ask for help. Back to getting back on track. From a personal perspective, because like I said, I was going to tell you sort of behind the scenes, I didn't really focus on getting back on track right off the bat. This is what coaching has done for me is that, yes, I still got burnt out. Yes, I still kind of worked myself into the ground. 
without necessarily noticing that I was doing it or thinking I was okay when I was doing it. But what I did notice is I I noticed the eating that I was doing. I noticed my habits shifting and I noticed my thinking around eating. The difference between this time and all the other times in my life when I've gained weight is I didn't feel the need to panic. I could see that I was making food choices I didn't normally make. I could see that I wanted the food to fix stuff that it couldn't fix. But I also knew that this wasn't going to be permanent. I had a confidence in myself that I would be able to figure it out, that I would be able to get myself back on track. And I didn't know exactly when, but I really knew exactly what I was just talking about at the beginning of this episode, that what I had to do first was get my mind into a better place. So what I worked on through kind of mid end of September and through most of October to date is really just getting myself feeling better, which just to give you guys an update, I am feeling much better, still not a hundred percent, but so much better than where I was say a month ago. I do feel like I'm getting some of my resilience back, but I'm still being very conscientious of my self-care. I'm really aware of what I listen to too. That's the place I'm still noticing it is if I listen to like a podcast or read a book or something like that, that's really emotionally laden right now, it bothers me. And so I'm minimizing that sort of thing right now and just continue to focus on the things that help me feel better. Getting my morning routine in, journaling as frequently as possible, getting exercise in, listening to music that's calming and soothing and painting on a regular basis. Those are my big things that I'm doing right now. So I'm feeling better. So then now that I'm feeling better, I always think of this as getting my head on straight. Now that I'm feeling better, I'm able to focus on the eating and now come back to it in a much better place than had I been trying to struggle with my eating and trying to force myself to stick to the low-carb eating when my brain was really not in a good place a month ago. Now it's in a better place. And so now I've been able to start getting back on track. And that's what I wanted to share with you is how you do it. But the first piece of this that I wanted to share was, let's talk about why it's so hard. So if you've ever stood at that place where you're like, oh, there's some 10 pounds came back. Now what do I do? That place can feel so overwhelming. It can feel like such a big deal. It can feel like you've completely failed. There's so many different things that we add on to that, that that is what I want to talk about first. So I was thinking about it when I was preparing for this episode, and it's like we build this structure in our mind of what it will be like to get back on track. And it's this big structure. And it's filled with our beliefs, our thoughts, our past failures, our doubts, our fears, a whole lot of all or nothing thinking sprinkled in there too, and lots of thoughts about deprivation and restriction. And so it creates this big structure in front of us that we then tell ourselves, hey, why aren't you on top of that? Why haven't you just climbed up there and gotten back on track? But of course we haven't. We're busy. (laughs) We're living very busy, high demanding lives. And so if you're standing there and your choice is stay where you are or climb some giant structure that you don't actually believe you're going to be successful climbing, which one are you going to do? You're going to stay where you are because it's going to feel so hard to climb that giant structure that we create in our minds about getting back on track. So the first step is it's always easier to take away things than it is to add more things. And yet we try to do the opposite. We're like, okay, I want to get back on track. So I'm going to do all this extra stuff. Some of the highest yield 
most helpful things you will do to get back on track is removing things that are part of that giant structure that's getting in your way of getting back on track. And so that might come down to what you're thinking about your weight loss, what you think about getting back on track. There's so many different layers. And in the workshop I talked about, we're going to go into all these things in quite a bit of detail. But even things like, what do you picture when you're thinking, I'm going to get back on track? And you picture eating food that would be, quote unquote, getting back on track. What do you picture that food looking like? I always joke, but I think we generally picture it as, okay, I'm going to go from this place here where I'm loving the food I eat and I can eat whatever I want and it tastes good and I don't have to say no to anything. That's often the place we're in when we're not on track. And then I'm going to go to that back on track place and everything I ever loved is going to go away. I will never be allowed to eat anything like this again. And all the food over there is this kind of gray bland nothingness. And it's a big old wah wah in your brain. So of course you don't want to do it. And that's why I spend so much time talking to you guys about creating a customized way of eating an approach that you actually like. I think this is so important. And giving yourself permission that you as an adult human being can make food choices. You can eat anything you want at any time. Now, there's reasons why you don't eat everything you want at any time. I can tell you for me from this experience, because there were days where I ate whatever I wanted, I feel like crap. (sighs) I feel bloated. I get headaches. My energy is low. My mood gets worse when I'm eating all the junk. So that is my reason why I don't say yes to every single thing that crosses my path. But on the flip side, I know that I could. Having that permission that it's not like I can never ever have, say, a donut again. It's just I'm very selective of which donuts I choose to eat because I know the impact they have. And I know that often they're not as good as what they look. That gives me a whole lot of, I want to say contentment or ease where I don't have to feel deprived because it's not something outside of me making the decision to not eat the donut. If we're going to stick with that example, it's me making the decision to not eat the donut for reasons about me, not perfectionist reasons, not I'm not good enough type reasons. I don't deserve donuts type reasons. The reasons that actually really at the core of them are about caring for me at my deepest level. And so it feels a lot better. So knowing that I could choose any food at any time, but in general, I decide to eat lower carb food because I feel better that way. My body functions better that way. Feels good to me. And then the promise I make to myself, and I really encourage you to think about this, is I'm going to make sure that that lower carb food is delicious. That it's food that I sit down to eat and I'm excited to eat. Imagine that. There's no gray nothingness. When I'm back on track, There is no gray nothingness. If anything, I would argue when I am not on track, when I'm eating carby foods, that's the gray nothingness because the food there, you know, it's appealing to my brain because it gives me dopamine because it's got more processed carbohydrates in it, but it is not as tasty. It is not as well flavored. It's not as complex in flavors or textures. It's a lot more white and gray food than what I would normally eat. So to give you an example, I was thinking, Because I know for some of you, the idea of enjoying the food you eat to lose weight feels really foreign and really hard to believe. And so I thought maybe I'd give you any examples of what we've eaten. I'm not saying go out and eat these things, but I think just hearing that it is possible and giving yourself permission that you can go out and explore to find the things that work for you. So in the past few days, what I've had, we got a new barbecue that does smoking too. 
So Friday we had smoked pulled pork, which was delicious. And I paired it with an arugula salad with a mushroom vinaigrette, which may be my favorite salad right now. So this mushroom vinaigrette has shiitake mushrooms, lemon juice, olive oil, and a bit of truffle oil blended up. And I think a clove of garlic in it too. Blend it up to make a vinaigrette on top of arugula with some Parmesan cheese and some crispy prosciutto on top of it. That salad is so flippin' delicious. Even if you're not a salad person, like the combination of the mushrooms, the prosciutto, the Parmesan and the truffle oil, it's like an umami bomb salad. Maybe that's what I should call it, but so good. So that was Friday dinner. And then Saturday, we went out to friends and had steak and Caesar salad, which was delicious. Sunday, I made chicken soup for the kids. And then I made myself cream of mushroom soup because I love cream of mushroom soup and nobody in my family eats it. So I don't get to eat it very often. But again, delicious, low carb, super happy to eat it. And then tonight, I've got short ribs. I was trying to clean out our freezer so that we have a bit more space. We always get a part of a cow from a friend who raises them every fall. So I'm in the phase of trying to clean out the freezer so there's space for when that comes. So using up short ribs from last year's in the slow cooker. So it'll be all ready when the kids are done their activities with a kind of red wine, onion, garlic type sauce. We'll serve it on mashed cauliflower and I'm going to make mashed potatoes for the kids at the same time I'm making the mashed cauliflower because they still refuse to eat mashed cauliflower and love mashed potatoes. But again, super excited to eat it. Super excited to have any of those leftovers as my lunch. And that works really well for me. When I think through what's in my fridge and what's coming up during the week, and I'm thinking, that's fantastic. It makes it so much easier. Like, why would I go out for dinner or to fast food when there's actually all those leftovers available right now in my fridge? That's been a really important tool for me over the time that I've lost weight and I've been maintaining it is making sure there's tasty food available when I want it is important. Now, the other piece about taking down this structure, taking down this obstacle course is watching what you're thinking about. And I thought it would be helpful for you guys. I'm going to read to you from my journal when I was journaling and working on, okay, time to get my head on right about getting back on track with my eating. And I knew there were thoughts in there that weren't helping me, that weren't serving me, that I needed to address before I just tried to get myself back on track. Because if you're holding on to beliefs that are kind of like you're not going to be able to do it type beliefs, that's really going to get in your way of getting back on track. You can be having kind of these deep intentions or these deep beliefs that you can't do it and it's going to be too hard. And then on the surface, you're trying to change what you're eating and take all these actions. And if the two of them don't line up, you're going to feel a lot of conflict you're going to feel a lot of struggle and it's not going to work out. The deeply seated beliefs are going to be what wins out rather than the actions you're trying to take. So you need to know what's under there. What I said in my journal is it takes believing that I can do this and lose the weight. I'd ask myself, what does it take to get back to my normal where the food doesn't bother me? And what I said is instead, I'm thinking things like, this is where I regain all my weight. So for any of you that have lost weight, you know this one, right? There's this belief in the back of our mind of like, when is it going to happen? When is that shoe going to drop where all the weight comes back on? So that was a thought that was there is this is the part of the story where I regain all my weight. Obviously not very helpful, right? Doesn't feel very good. I've had a thought I've gone too far. It's going to be too hard. How many of you guys have had that thought? I've regained too much. It's now going to be too hard. I've lapsed in my eating habits too much. It's going to be too hard. What if it doesn't work? How many of you guys have had that thought of 
what if I do all this work and it doesn't work? I know you guys have had that one. I must be failing. Just taking everything that I went through. And again, that's the negative bias of our minds of looking at everything I've gone through. And instead of being like, look at everything you accomplished despite being really burnt out and really struggling with your mood, our mind goes, look at what I failed at. I must have totally failed. It's the negative bias of our mind. Now, standing back, I can look and see, I didn't fail. I had a difficult summer and fall and I was able to work on it, sort them out and accomplished a whole lot of stuff while I was struggling. And this was a bit of a side effect of it. But in the moment, it definitely felt like I was failing. And I know so many of you guys have that too, where the scale moves a little bit and it feels like you've totally failed. And then another one is it just feels too hard to say no. And what I was referring to is food. It feels too hard to say no to the food. And that's an interesting belief. And I find that belief comes back once I've been eating food I don't normally eat. When I'm back on track, when I kind of have my head on straight, choosing the food doesn't feel difficult. But if I'm not doing that background work, it can feel difficult. It can feel that it's just so much work to say no. If you're there, if you're feeling that, what I would encourage you to do is What that says to me is there's just thought stuff that you need to work on before to make it simpler. And that may be as simple as just believing you can say no to food and not be bothered. That's a belief you can borrow and just decide to start thinking. And so look at all these thoughts and how they would add to that structure I was talking about, how they would create barriers between me and getting back on track. If I hold on to the belief that it's going to be too hard, I've gone too far. And then I'm like, okay, let's get going. Of course, I'm not going to do it. My brain's going to be like, but you said we've gone too far. It's going to be too hard. Why would we do that? So noticing these thoughts, that's why I wanted to share these with you. So you could have that inside view that even when you've been doing this for years, these thoughts are still there. They still come up. And the fact that they come up doesn't mean you failed. Just means you have a human brain, which we will always, always have a human brain. We'll always have thoughts that don't really serve us. And that's okay. What it just means is the more we notice, the more we recognize, the more we can try and shift them. That's where the change happens. The change is never about never, ever having a negative thought about yourself again, because our brains are biased towards the negative. They will always offer negative thoughts. The change is about accepting those thoughts as a normal part of being human, but not buying them as truth and noticing where they're not serving you so that you can shift and change them. And so what I then said as part of my dismantling of that structure is what do I want to focus on believing? Losing this weight can be simple was one of mine. That's been very helpful in the past. Losing this weight can be simple. I can let it be simple. I like that wording, let it, because what it talks about and notes is how much our brains actually get in and create the drama. They build these structures. And so I could let it be simple, meaning I have to let go of that brain drama if I'm letting it be simple. This obstacle only makes me stronger. So believing that everything that I've gone through, I've learned from it, it makes me stronger. It builds more skills. It sharpens some skills that may have gotten a little rusty. It only makes me stronger. Any obstacle you face only makes you stronger as you go through it. I love eating low-carb food. It makes me feel my best. I've already talked about that, but it's totally true. I love the food that I eat. I actually like it better than the crappy food that I eat when... I'm not doing well. I can choose to not be bothered by food. I kind of mentioned that just a little bit ago, but you can just choose to have that belief. I'm not bothered by food. Practice believing that and it will then become true. And then the last one, which I've used in the past is I'm just not that interested in food. And I noticed when my brain's really amped up about food, thinking about it all the time, when I use that one, I'm just not that interested in food. 
It really calms it down and quiets it down. And then I said, all I need to do is keep my focus on the goal and care for myself along the way. And then the other thing, and I think this is a really good journal prompt if you're struggling, is what have I learned from this? What I wrote is that my self-care is the cornerstone to functioning at my highest level. When my brain says we need to skip it, that is a sign that I need to double down on it. Because it always happens where when things get really stressful, I get overwhelmed. The first thing my brain tells me is we don't have time for that. You have so much to do. Don't stop to write in a journal. Don't stop to meditate. Don't do your run. Try and get it in later, which doesn't happen, right? And so that's something I really learned from this whole episode is I can't do that. If I want to do everything that I'm doing, working in medical practice, running my obesity medicine program, doing this podcast, running my coaching programs, and being the mom and the spouse that I want to be, I have to care for myself first. It's just non-negotiable anymore. Okay, let's go back to the steps for you getting back on track. Number one is dismantle the obstacle course. We've talked about that, about how I'm working on doing that. Whatever is your obstacles, identify the obstacles and then systematically go one by one and dismantle them. What beliefs are there that you need to get rid of? What things are you making getting back on track mean that you might just need to shift and change a little, like the whole nothingness of food? Shift and change it to being back on track means you eat food you love, but that also helps you lose weight. Step two, decide to believe in yourself and your ability to get back on track. This is huge. So often when we're trying to get back on track, we don't think we can actually get back on track. Or we think, I can get back on track, but only for three weeks, and then I'll just end up right back here. Those are crummy, crummy thoughts. They don't help us. And if they're there, of course they are. It's normal brain behavior. But you can also decide to believe that you can get back on track and stay there. And here's another piece of it. Because often when we're getting back on track, we're waiting for some sort of external ideal that we are back on track. You have to decide when you're back on track. You can decide you are back on track from the moment that you say, I'm getting back on track. Think of how much more helpful that is if you're like, I am on track and this is how I'm going to stay on track instead of thinking I still have to get back on track. They're different and that difference can be very powerful. Step number three, when you're getting back on track, look for keystone habits. And again, in the workshop session, we're going to talk way more about this. We talk a lot about these and work on things like this in Stress Eating SOS as well. But keystone habits are the cornerstone habits. Generally, they're not food related or not directly food related, but they're the things that if you start doing them, other things fall into place. So for my example, the journaling, like sitting down and journaling similarly to what I just read out to you guys, that's a keystone habit for me. If I'm feeling discombobulated, I'm like, why am I making these food choices? How do I get back to where I know that I feel my best? The first step is to sit down and journal for me. That's my keystone habit. Yours might be different. In the workshop session, the second session, we're going to do some real brainstorming and workshopping to come up with the keystone habits. So if you don't know what yours are, that might be a good option. But the big thing about the keystone habits is everything doesn't have to change at once. Part of that giant structure when you're standing there looking up at it, thinking, oh my gosh, how do I get to the top of it, is thinking everything has to change at once. That's not the case. Find the small things that are simple to change. For me, sitting down to journal for five minutes, that's pretty simple. I can't create too much resistance to it in my mind versus thinking, okay, I have to meal prep for the week and everything has to be perfectly low carb and I need to get five workouts in in the week. All the things we tell ourselves 
those aren't keystone habits because when you're sitting there thinking about them, it's like an everything needs to change and it's overwhelming. You're looking for the little thing. So maybe the little thing is you schedule one workout if you find exercise as a keystone habit for you. And that's the little thing you do. Maybe if it's like meal planning or prep is helpful for you, but you feel overwhelmed, maybe it's you order some food boxes, like some meal kits as an easy way to meal plan for the week. Or you just order groceries in so you know you have healthy groceries. There's lots of different ways to do it. Step number four, and this kind of combines to what I was just talking about, is simple solutions. When we're getting back on track, we want to take it from looking like going way up a mountain to get back on track to just this nice little level slope. Even if you can come up with ways of making it easier to be on track than off track, so it's like you're going downhill to get back on track, it's even better. And so the way we do that is we look for simple solutions. We make it as easy and as enjoyable as possible to get back on track. Things like ordering your groceries or ordering some meal kits, maybe that's an option. Maybe it's eating out more that first week, but eating out at restaurants that you know there's things you can get that you really enjoy that work for you. There's no right answers here. You figure out what's going to work for you and be the simplest way, the path of least resistance to getting yourself back on track and building that momentum. And then step number five, this is the most important, pick yourself up as you go. So often when we're trying to get ourselves back on track and then we encounter an obstacle, we make it mean that we can't get back on track and we just go back to our old habits. Those obstacles are expected, guys. They are part of the journey. Hit an obstacle, totally fine. Fall down, totally fine. Roll around in the mud a little, totally fine if that's what you need to do. But then pick yourself up and keep going. Don't make it mean that you can't do it. It's part of the journey. These obstacles are what actually create the personal growth that's going to get you to your goals that you want to get to. So I'm going to go through the points again. So number one, dismantle the obstacle course. Whatever obstacles you're creating in your brain, take it all down. Step number two, decide to believe in yourself and your ability to get back on track. Just decide that you are on track. Super powerful. And you're allowed to decide that at any point. Number three, find one or two keystone habits and start implementing them. Number four, look for simple solutions, especially when you're first getting going and you're building that momentum. You want the path of least resistance. So you want a kind of flat path to get back on track, or even if you can create it a downhill path where it's easier to be on track than it is to be off track. And then step number five, pick yourself up as you go. Don't think, I hope I don't fall down. Expect to fall down. And the plan is you just pick yourself up when you do. Okay, guys, I hope that was helpful. I hope sharing what I've been going through lately has been helpful for you. I know there's a lot of you that are dealing with this right now. And that's why I wanted to share all of this more personal stuff that I've been talking about in these last two episodes. Send me an email, info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. Tell me what was helpful for you in this. And if there are other things that you need help with, let me know. And don't forget to check out my Back on Track workshop, which is happening mid-November. You can check that out at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash workshop. weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash workshop. Thank you so much, guys. Have a fantastic day. And if you have a chance, share this podcast episode with somebody who you think might enjoy it or appreciate it. There's so many people out there struggling with their eating, trying to get on to another diet that could really benefit from this more compassionate, kinder approach to getting back on track and approaching eating and weight from a way that actually lasts, more sustainable approach. We'll talk to you later, guys. Have a fantastic week. Bye-bye.